The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT21 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITL Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys. I'm a college professor. And I have the distinct honor of welcoming back to the podcast once again, World Championships Qualifier, 70.3 World Championship Qualifier, Justin Dugan. Welcome back, man. Hey, thanks for having me, George. I am hoping that you are going to bring the same level of encyclopedic detail to your 
telling us all about your experience in St. George that you do to our cycling preview every year? Well, I have a, uh, a good bit of firsthand knowledge, so I will bring uh, <laughs> hopefully um, that same level with, with me this time. Awesome. Perfect. So you had mentioned it when, when you came on the podcast to do the cycling preview uh, a couple of months ago uh, that you were gearing up for and you were training hard for the, the 70.3 World Championships in St. George. And what was the date on those? Uh, that was on September 18th in uh, St. George. Yep. Yeah, September 18th. Very good. And I want to hear all about the race. I know it was, it would have been a hard race, even if it had not been for the weather and other things that, that I'm excited to hear all about. Um, but I, I feel like the best way to do is just to go back and, and start talking about how you um, came upon this race. I mean, it's not like you just get to sign up for the Ironman 70.3 World Championship. So when did you start thinking about this as being a goal to qualify and ultimately a goal to compete? So this wasn't. This was kind of one of those things that was out there for great athletes, and I never really thought of myself as one of those. Um, I qualified it at 70.3 Chattanooga in May. Uh, I've done that race every year. I love that race. Uh, it feels like a home race where everybody from Atlanta is there. It's kind of the beginning of the season and it's just kind of a, a fun get together. I didn't have a bike at the time. I had a road bike. I didn't have a tri bike. So I borrowed, uh, my coach's bike. Just in May you didn't? In, in May, yeah, I, oh, wow. I, I had a frame hanging on the wall, um, much like I do now, and I borrowed a bike that I had never ridden before and just kind of went out thinking, I don't want to break my foot like I did last time in Chattanooga. I don't want to, you know, drown in the swim. I just want to go out and have a good time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as I came running down the chute, I noticed that my time was pretty good. Didn't really think too much of it. And the next morning I got an email congratulating me that I qualified for 70.3 world championships hmm. because in a year that there is not a lot of international travel and not a lot of races happening, mm -hmm. they give pretty deep placement, uh, you know, slots. So I think I finished 21st, but that's still within 10% of my age group. Mm -hmm. And I lucked out and I got a slot for worlds that way. So cool, man. Very yeah, good. So I, I, I felt like I was in pretty uh, elite company going and I thought it was the trip of a lifetime and the opportunity of a lifetime and something I couldn't pass up. Right on. So, so it's not like you had to think about it really. As soon as you got that email, you're like, well, this was unexpected, but I'm definitely going right. Uh, it was, this is unexpected. I've got to clear this with a few people before sure before I'm going, uh, you know, I know that you probably, uh, have some of those conversations as Absolutely. well before you, before you jump into a race. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I had to make sure the kids could get taken care of had to make sure the wife was on board and, uh, the whole support network had to kind of be in for that one. But mm -hmm. once I, once I sold them on the idea and how grand of an opportunity it was, everybody, you know, everybody pitched in. So, right it, you know, it does take a village to, to make a triathlete sometimes. For sure, for sure. And it's it's a five month gap there, right? Which I think is actually pretty good. So you have enough time to recover just a little bit and start spinning back up. Um, I, I'm struck by the fact that you said you didn't have a tri bike before, so you borrowed a bike, but then um, how did you in your preparation, just early in your preparation, not your training, but 
you started saying, okay, well, I'm going to 70.3 worlds. Maybe I should get a bike. I mean, did that go through your mind? <laughs> uh, it, it did. So I had, um, I, I don't know if you can see over my shoulder, I have a beautiful uh, Quintana Roo mm -hmm. and I sold my previous bike at the beginning of the year, mm -hmm. knowing I was getting a new bike, but I wanted to build it piece by piece. Okay. And in 2021, pieces were very hard to come by. Yeah. So it sat as a frame for a very long time until we had exactly all the right pieces that I wanted for it, which was well after the race in May. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have a road bike. So my road bike was with me and that was on the trainer and that one got a lot of trainer miles uh, leading into Chattanooga and during the summer training for uh, St. George. Very good. Very good. And so you said you do Chattanooga every year and its first year was 2015. Um, yes. And, and so um, talk to us a little bit about some of the, some of your other 70.3 experiences. How, how experienced are you at this particular race distance? Uh, I think St. George was my 13th. Okay. And uh, I, I also just did Memphis this past weekend. So I, 13 or 14 of them. Um, I started out, I did Augusta, I think, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. um, in 2014, I did the first uh, Ironman Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. And then every opportunity since I've done the 70.3 in Chattanooga, mm -hmm. uh, with the exclusion of last year where it was canceled. So mm -hmm. I have done a race in Chattanooga every year since they've had one. How did, okay, so the course at St. George, my wife has done the Ironman in St. George um, mm -hmm. back when they had it. Um, and they're gonna have one next April, um, but in St. George, as you know. Um, but, uh, but she did it in, I guess it was 2011. Um, she did Ironman St. George and it was a brutally difficult course. Um, how did this course compare to what it is you've experienced in the past? Uh, so this course, was extremely challenging. Uh, you might look at Gustav Eden's time and go, that must have been a piece of cake. That must mm -hmm. have been dead flat. Uh, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. It wasn't at all. Mm -hmm. The swim was probably the most beautiful swim outside of Digme Beach in uh, Kona. Mm -hmm. The sun was rising over the mountains in this lake that sat below you know, some plateaus. It was absolutely beautiful. It was picturesque. It was amazing. I went off in the first group after the pros when the weather was beautiful. And, you know, it was, it was as beautiful of a day as you could get. Mm -hmm. That changed. Um, <laughs> the, the bike course was very undulating. There were, they had closed highways. The, the first 35 miles of the bike was amazing. You were riding in valleys, you were riding on closed roads. It was unbelievable. I, I, you know, it was the, the best ride you could be having. Uh, then when you turn, there was an out and back. And when you turned around on that out and back, you kind of got a view of where St. George was and what was over St. George. Mm -hmm. And that was black clouds mm -hmm. and lightning. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of thought to myself, I hope that's not the direction I'm going, but I think it is. And, and if it is the way I'm going, that doesn't look very good. Yeah. Um, 
so on top of a what was starting out to be a fairly quick bike course because there was there was some ups but there were plenty of downs and there was plenty of speed and you know i thought this is going to be a fun course because if there's only one hill you just go up and then you come right back down into transition two um but then the weather started to change and headed back towards saint george and headed towards snow canyon the wind got out of control and then the skies opened up and then there was hail Mm -hmm. and climbing a mountain with very high wind gusts and hail and rain really changes how you feel about riding a bike and then coming down that mountain coming down was probably even worse yeah you have to make some life change you know some life decisions when you're doing that and you think uh is is this is this really my hobby like (laughs) some people build model airplanes some people fish like what am i doing out here um so so that made that the bike course a lot more challenging Mm -hmm. um and then the run was was hard there Mm -hmm. there was uh several uphills on the run and several downhills the last I think the last kilometer of each loop on the run course was probably a downhill of 10% or more at times. Mm. And you flew. I mean, if you, if you weren't actively trying to catch yourself with your legs, you could have fallen flat on your face running down the hill. Mm. Um, But you know, most of the other miles were uphill and they, Mm. they slowed you down plenty, you know, with that, Mm. but a very challenging course on, uh, on a, a different podcast that I listened to one of the pros that was in the race said it was the hardest 73 course in, in Ironman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, I'm not either. I, I, I remember how vicious it was, even that just the opening climb out of the reservoir where the, where the swim mm-hmm. is. Um, it's, I mean, as it suggests, you know, as you said, you're surrounded by these gorgeous mountains and in order to leave the swim, you have to, ride over those mountains. <laughs> you do. Yeah. 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 Um, in, in preparing, um, did you prepare for that specifically or did you have the opportunity to prepare for that specifically or, or, or what? Um, I, I was well coached. I had, you know, some good training plans. I'm lucky where I live in Ackworth. Um, I have several rides where I can throw in some pretty steep climbs. And whenever I go out with my buddies, I always try and find the, you know, the 13 or 14% climbs where they're short, sweet, powerful. And, you know, I, I like going uphill. So, um, I, you know, I did as much of that as possible, but overall it was just get in good fitness. Climbing's not going to be the, the thing that you, you, that you have to worry about. Right. You know, it's, it's a long, it's a long event. Just, just be ready for a long event. And, um, you know, I think, I think, you know, that's kind of where I was. Yeah. So, so tell us about getting your good fitness. How would you say that your fitness ultimately when you towed the line on uh, September 18th compared to your fitness in the other 12 ones you had done previous 12, 7.3s you had done previously, better shape, worse shape, the same. I think I was in better shape. I was a lot more focused. I spent, I spent almost a similar amount of time training for this one as I would have for a full Ironman. I was in the pool several mornings. Um, I was running in the morning before work. I was on the bike before work in the mornings. I was putting in four hour plus trainer rides. Um, I was training outside plenty running, doing hill repeats. I was strong. I was fit. 
Um, I didn't have any major setbacks during my training block, which is always something that's hard to get to. Uh, Mentally, I might have had some because when you're training 10 to 15 hours a week and working and have two kids and uh, a wife and still want to be a sane person, you know, it's a difficult balance. So, you know, mentally, I, I probably had more more struggles just dealing with how much I had going on. Um, then the fitness, you know, my, my body felt fine. Um, I, I felt really strong. Um, you know, I, I, I felt, I felt prime and ready to go. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that was the best part that I, I really felt fit. I felt confident in, in all three disciplines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us then you, you, you trained hard, um, and, and you went in super fit. Do you feel like, um, do you feel like you were able to, to get what you wanted out of the race? Um, yes and no. So uh, yes, I, I felt, I felt lucky to be there. I felt like somebody that got asked to prom by, you know, the, the prom queen, you know, I, I, it it was one of those things where I I never thought that that was in the cards for me. It was an honor to get, to get to go there. And, um, I, I read an article a long time ago about Kona and it, it was called like all about the bracelet or some, something along those lines. And it, mm-hmm. it talked about how there are so many people that pretend and show up to these things and, you know, they'll look fitter than you. They'll talk a bigger game. But what really matters is if you're the person with the bracelet on, when you're there, you get to toe the line, you get to do the race. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I kind of kept that mindset the whole time that, you know, I, I qualified for this. I deserve to be here. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fitter than, you know, a, a lot of these people, I'm, I'm someone that deserves this because I, I do. And, um, you know, I, I tried to keep that mindset. Um, I wish the weather had held it's, out. It's, it's hard to keep that mindset at a world championship race. Um, n- not only because people look so fit and because their bikes are so expensive and because their kits are so well coordinated and all that sort of thing. But I mean, they, they take every opportunity to remind you that you're at a world championship race, you know, they, they um, do. I mean, I've, I've got some good friends that I am uh, very thankful that I got to see there and spend some time with who are far better athletes than I am. And, you know, talking to one of them after the race, he said, Oh, Justin, you made me so calm. And it was so good hanging out with you before the race. I was like, dude, you finished like 45 minutes before me like you know I, we finished this race and you look like you already took a shower and you know had had lunch but you know it, it was just so special to be there um you know if if the we got we got weather that day mm-hmm. we could have gotten the weather that we had the day before which was like 85 degrees or 90 degrees and sunny and that might have made for a completely different race. For sure. Um, you know, the rain and the wind changed the game plan, but you know, the run ended up being overcast, a little drizzly, and not 95 degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, if mm-hmm. you know, running in a race like that stinks. I've done that plenty of times and it's not a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I'm I'm happy with how I did. I you know, things could have gone differently, but they didn't. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm perfectly content with that. Mm-hmm. Right on. Very good. Tell me this. How did Gustav Eden 
and Lucy Charles Barkley. How did they go so fast? The pros smoked this course. How did they so do that? The, the rain didn't hit the pro men and I believe the pro women until they were running. Okay. Um, I think they may have gotten a little bit of wind on, on the bike, but from what I've heard, Gustav Eden rode his bike, you know, he put on a masterclass and, mm -hmm. and from what they I hear, he, he, he put on the last 45 minutes, he went at 110%. Lucy Charles had, you know, the best day and, and she really showed everybody, you know, how classy she is as an athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it was unbelievable. I saw some of some of them running and it looked like they weren't running up hills. Mm -hmm. it, it looked like they didn't have to climb, you know, a, a mountain mm -hmm. in part of the race. Um, coming down the mountain, some of those guys were, you know, Sam Long was doing a super tuck and probably going over 50 miles an hour down that mountain. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that they were going so fast on the bike is astounding and the run times are are shocking as well because of, you know, the uphills and I, you know, I guess they made it all up on the downhill. They're probably running, you know, three minute kilometers, you know, down the hill, just, yeah. just flying. Um, yeah. You know, they're, they're professionals and they proved it. They, they showed, uh, you know, the, the normals, why they are mm -hmm. the professional. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take anything away from your performance by any stretch, but, but I was, I was, I was so blown away by, by how fast they were. Cause I know how difficult that course is, even without all the weather and everything else like that. Um, just having been out there with my wife when she did it back in 2011, like I was saying, but the, the, um, I think a lot of it has also to do with the fact that like we've talked about with track athletes, um, they, they, this is a chance they had to race. And so, mm -hmm. you know, they, 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 throw all their eggs in this basket and they throw caution to the wind and they get as fit as they possibly can and turn out to be the right decision, given the fact that they're not going to be having Kona next month in Hawaii or yeah. this month in Hawaii, you know? And so um, it, it makes sense. I think it was probably a good decision for them to lay it all on the line, both training wise and racing wise. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, um, I was super impressed with that. Did you get to hobnob with any of the pros? Um, sadly, I didn't. Uh, I didn't <laughs> see any, in the days before, uh, I guess they were all um, hidden away, getting their final preparations. And after the fact, uh, they were probably all back at their respective hotels, homestays, um, Airbnbs and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I thought that St. George is a really good place for a race like this. This was, I believe, the largest Ironman to date, the single day Ironman to date, because they combined the two days into one and there was I, I believe like almost almost or over 4,000 athletes hmm. and the the city really handled it well I mean hmm. the swim is far away from the downtown area but downtown they had the transition areas taking over the main streets they had bikes all the way down a street. I mean, I, I looked down the street and I was like, Oh, I wonder where my bike is when I was going to pick it up. And the, this, the bikes went the whole street and I was walking towards the end of the street, still didn't find my bike. It turned and went down a whole nother street. And I was just like this, like if they're going to take over a city, this is great. I mean, that big statue that they have with the M dot in the middle of a roundabout in downtown, my wife asked if, if that if that travels around right. uh, every year, and I was like, no, they built that here. Like this place actually has that. Um, yeah. 
And, you know, it, it was real, you know, they painted M dots in the bike lanes downtown. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's no wonder that Iron Man keeps going back to them for, mm -hmm. you know, full distance, half distance for world championships. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a great place for a big race like that kind of in the middle of nowhere of, of the United States. I mean, there, we, we stayed a bit outside and we drove through the mountains and the valleys to get there. And there's nothing, mm -hmm. you know, there's nothing really around there. So mm -hmm. um, it's a perfect place for putting on a, a big show like this. Mm -hmm. You have Zion national park, you have Las Vegas. Um, so like the, the great natural wonder and the, less great man-made wonder um, <laughs> well so. we we did we did uh, fly in and out of vegas and stayed mm -hmm. there uh one night my wife wanted to have dinner at a certain restaurant we you know kind of wanted to have a little bit of a vacation beforehand and uh i joked that we were going to an iron man and staying in a city that has escalators on the sidewalks outside <laughs> so the people don't have to walk up and down stairs to get right. across the street um <laughs> but you know it is what it is caters yeah, yeah. to a different crowd so for sure for sure very good um so you mentioned getting super fit and you mentioned though that you didn't um uh do specific hill training that that, that you just always kind of generally find the hills um, mm. um did you train more for this one i have two questions about kind of your prep two more questions about your preparation um, did you kind of train more for this one or do you do tell me how your training was different this time around um there was a, a lot of bike work. Um, I spent a lot of hours riding the bike because with, with any Ironman, whether it's a half, whether it's a full, you want to treat it like it's a run that you're tired for. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you think about it that way, you want to be able to swim and have it not really affect your bike. And you want to be able to bike to have it not really affect your run. You know, the bike should be where you're comfortable, confident, eating, you know, fueling for having a good run. Mm -hmm. Um, so the more you bike, the more you swim, the easier that becomes. So mm -hmm. I was spending a lot of hours on the bike, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, that sets you up to have a good run. Was it, was it long bike rides? Were you doing trainer rides? You're riding on Zwift? What were you doing? I was doing a lot of long bike rides. Um, weekends, it was usually a long ride on Sunday and a less long ride, but still somewhat long on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would probably ride two other days during the week, uh, at least an hour and a half to two hours, you know, on each of those rides. And then I was swimming, you know, a few mornings a week, running mornings, afternoons, doing bricks, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, doing the, all, all the stuff. Sounds so, like you had a lot of, sounds like you had a lot of two a day workouts. There were, there were several, you know, there would be, um, you know, a, a lighter swim and a lighter run, um, or a bike workout and then a run, um, you know, usually stuff like that. Sometimes with weird scheduling, it would be get a run in, in the evening. And then you're up at six o'clock in the morning, either running or biking again. So those mm -hmm. kind of felt like two a days, even, you know, they were just at the other 12 hours apart. Right. Right. For sure. For sure. I totally get that. Um, and then given, um, not only your sort of detail orientedness, but also the fact, I mean, you said you were going to build your own bike and you ultimately did. Um, given the fact that you're, you're, you're tech savvy, um, what are some of the things that you did 
that were different about this race um, to prepare you for this race? And maybe this is a good chance for you to, to, to plug your, uh, your, your sponsor Slayer X and our sponsor Slayer X. <laughs> well, I, I did spend quite a bit uh, buying lots and lots of Slayer X. Um, <laughs> you always want to train with the stuff you're going to use. And I knew I was going to be using them. Uh, I can't say enough good things um, about those guys. I drink a ton of the 6X Hydrate. I like the tropical fruit flavor. I have told them countless times how good that flavor is. Tastes like you're drinking juice. Um, it's refreshing. And I feel like a million bucks when I drink that. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a plan of how I, wanna how I wanted to alternate that with the diesel because mm -hmm. I don't like to drink too much diesel before um, before the race. I like to drink the hydrate before the race. I like my first bottle on the bike to be diesel so I can get some calories, so I can get some caffeine. Um, and then I do a hydrate, then a diesel. So I was always trying to practice, mm -hmm. start with one, go to the other mm -hmm. uh, in the training. And uh, I went through tons of it. I, you know, it, it's easy enough to drink. It doesn't, doesn't give you any upset stomach problems. It doesn't slosh around. Um, it's, it's the best. I've been ever since they mentioned to me that they were coming up with an idea to make this product and they wanted me to test a couple of the flavors. Uh, I've been on board. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. it's the best. Very good. I, I've, Very good. And I, you know, doing Memphis this past weekend, I, both of my buddies that I raced with were using it and one of them had, had his best 70.3. So, cool. um, you know, that's it's, awesome. it's uh, not just something I'm, you know, lying about because they tell me to. No, it, it works. <laughs> no, you're, 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 you're not just blowing smoke because they gave you a T-shirt. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what else? What were some other things that you uh, did you like when it comes to your bike or when it comes to some of your other gear? Did you, did you tweak any of those things or, or did, you, did you kind of go with what was tried and true? Um, a lot of it was tried and true. Um, I alternated between trainers and uh, carbon race shoes. I, I don't mm. have a shoe collection like um, <laughs> you guys do. Uh, I have. That's, I, I that's was, probably that's probably a good thing, Justin. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like the uh, the Hoka Carbon X too. Mm -hmm. um, that's my race shoe. It's done me well. Um, and I got the Hoka Mach 4 this year. I watched mm -hmm. a lot of videos about it. A lot of people raved and said, if I had one shoe that I could run in, this one kind of does it all. Mm -hmm. And it has about the same footprint as the Carbon X too. So I figured mm -hmm. if I'm going to be training in a shoe a lot, I want it to look and feel and sure. perform similar to the one that I'm going to race in. Um, so I did that. Um, Doing all my training on a road bike was interesting. And then getting my time trial bike a month and a half, maybe if, if that, yeah, maybe a month before the race was interesting because then I had to figure out, is this comfortable? Is this, is this going to do exactly what I want? And uh, luckily it was my, my new bike was amazing. Um, being tech savvy is one thing, but I am not so much when it comes to bicycles. I know what I like and I know how to make them go fast. Okay. I, I'm not good at working on them. And, uh, I have a very good relationship with a bike shop and Curtis, uh, Cannon takes very good care to do all the things that I need done. And, uh, he built an amazing bike for me. So, cool. um, very good, you know, very and, good. and it worked out amazingly, you know, it was just a, a matter of getting, uh, SRAM Axis one by 
time trial parts in a pandemic, which right. apparently were difficult. Yeah, yeah. But you got them eventually. Now but I got them eventually. Yeah, it it, it was you know a piece, a piece from this this place, a piece from here. You know, right. finally all all the powers combined to build uh, an amazing bike. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the unfortunate epilogue to the amazing bike story, I feel I feel obliged to mention it here. Um, your bike did not make it home safely. It did not. So I packed and traveled with my bike in a bike suitcase, um, packed it all up, wrapped it in pool noodles and padding that it came with and it traveled out there immaculately perfect it was well taken care of must have been sitting in its own little corner of the plane um put it back together the people at Quintana Roo were at St. George and they tightened a couple of bolts for me and uh it was perfect uh packaged it back up to bring home the same way it was padded immaculately I bought two rolls of bubble wrap um I mean that thing was Headed up pretty nicely, but on the way home, somebody must have thrown it down um, a ramp or stacked a bunch of bowling balls on top of it, and it got cracked uh, in the frame. Hmm. And uh, unfortunately, I'm still in the process of dealing with that right now. Hmm. Uh, but it, uh, it's just a thing. It's just a bike, as I've been trying to tell myself over and over and over again, uh, as it hangs in front of me while I pedal away back on my road bike on the trainer and look <laughs> at it uh, longingly again. So does that um, mean that the uh, 70.3 you did this past weekend in Memphis, you did, you rode your, uh, your road bike for that again? Well, that would have been smart, George, but again, I borrowed another bike because <laughs> I have a lot of friends who are close in size to me. Uh, hey, and I hey I'm not, I'm not going to criticize your borrowing a bike friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, but sadly, I got a flat on this bike uh, uh, during the race. And again, I dealt with more rain. In Memphis, it seemed to rain from the day before, and it's probably still raining there, but it rained the entire race. Uh, I got a flat tire and realized that the wheel that it was on did not have a quick release. Hmm. And I did not have the Allen wrench to take the wheel off of the bike. <laughs> so you'll laugh at this. I was at mile 46. And I looked at the clock and I thought, well, I could walk. I could mm -hmm. probably make it in cutoff if I walked. Mm -hmm. uh, so after standing around for about 10 minutes, I decided, screw it. Nobody's got a wrench for me. I'll just walk it in mm -hmm. uh, and started walking. Walk it in 10 miles? Yeah, I was going to walk 10 miles to T2 because I thought I still have just enough time to make cutoff and do the run. Okay. Um, Luckily, there was you took a your shoes off, I, I, I presume you're walking uh, barefooted at this point. I still had them on. Um, okay. I, I have some good uh, Wahoo uh, prototype cleats okay. that uh, were, were in good shape, a little, little softer, a little aerodynamic, and okay. uh, they made for a good rocker. Uh, probably if I had gotten really into the run, I probably would have taken them off. Mm -hmm. um, but I got down the road a little bit and there was a police officer at an intersection and uh, I was thrilled and I asked him, I was like, do you have Allen wrenches? And he was like, nope, I don't. <laughs> and I was like, well, do you have a radio? Can you call somebody? Um, and he called, uh, he called um, mechanical support for me mm -hmm. and got somebody on the way to them. And uh, while I was standing there waiting for mechanical support, a friend of mine rolled by and she uh, yelled asking if I was okay. And I said, I need a four Allen wrench. And she reached back 
grabbed her spare kit and threw it over her shoulder. Oh, cool. Um, and, you know, whether that disqualifies her, whether it disqualifies me, whatever. It doesn't, um, actually. If, you, if, you're in the ra- if you're helping people inside the race, it doesn't. That's within the rules. Okay, well, so, so she dropped that for me. I ran over and grabbed it, changed the tire, and, uh, and rode in the last 10 miles and got to the run um, and ended up saving the day. And then, then I caught up with her on the run and thanked her. I told her I owed her, um, dinner, wine, you know, (laughs) whatever she needed. I was like, otherwise I still would have been either standing on the side of the road or walking with my bike, you know, another bunch of miles. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was kind of one of those days where you don't know what, what the end's going to be when you're just standing there. You're like, well, is this it? Like, Mm -hmm. is this, is this my race? I'm Mm -hmm. done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I never really got to that spot where I thought it's over. I, mm-hmm. I kept thinking, I, I kind of could do this. You know, right. there, there could be some way to finish. And, uh, and you know, luckily uh, an, an angel flew by and dropped, dropped her change kit. And that was awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Very good. All right. So what's next, Justin Dugan? Um, nothing right now. I am not signed up for any races next season yet. Um, I'm enjoying a little bit of off time. I did ride my bike on the trainer today. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm itching to get back running, but I'm taking a few days off for running. Um, I, I'm sure the calendar is going to get full, but, but yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of, I was tired Mm -hmm. going into world championships. I mean, I know that you've done plenty of big races and I'm sure you've had plenty of tired, Mm -hmm. um, and, and I got, and I got there this year, you know, I was mm-hmm. tired and I was looking forward to, to some rest. And, you know, right now I think I'm going to take that and I'm sure I'll be at Chattanooga in May. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure what else, you know, I, I think I'd like to do a full, but I think that's the crazy side of me that wants to do a full Ironman next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. My, my buddy wants me to get back and do a, a 50 K, but I got hurt doing that last year. So I'm probably not going to, you know, go running through the woods and bust an ankle again. So, mm. um, but, but yeah, I think there's going to be plenty. Uh, I'm just not, not sure what it is yet. Cool, man. I think, I think it's going to be plenty of, uh, ice cream with, with kids or, uh, you know, some eggnogs that are going to be coming my way pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll have to, you know, dust the cobwebs off of things and, and get my act together again soon. There you go. Perfect. Very good. Very good. Well, I mean, like you said, one of the very first things, the very first thing you had to do when you got that email is you had to get the other people on board. You know, you had to kind of get your team aligned. Right. Yep. Um, and so so part of recovering is is spending more time with that with that community again, you know, with that team again, with your family again, uh, kind of right. letting that recover. Um, and yep. so, so yeah, sort of paying them back for, for having spent so much time supporting you and enabling you to, to train the way that you did for this big race. Um, very good. Definitely. You think you might want to try and qualify for world championship again? Um, it's crossed my mind. And the one that seems like it would be best would, would be the one that's back in St. George next year, because, mm-hmm. uh, it's doable. I think that the big selling point this past year was that it was here. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I told my wife that previous year it was in France. It's been in New Zealand. Um, New Zealand. It's been in South Africa. Mm-hmm you know, it's, it's kind of been out of the question. And this one was of 
three and a half hour flight away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I never thought of it because I never really thought that it was possible in a lot of aspects. And then this one presented itself as a great opportunity. And if there's, you know, if there's one close by again, I, you know, and I happen to qualify, I would love to, you know, I, I, I was, I wouldn't say I was sad that I didn't qualify for the one in Chattanooga when it was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a lot of friends that did that one and I got to volunteer. I was part of the, uh, the water safety crew uh, during that race. And, you know, I, I got to be there and, and see it from a different way. So mm-hmm. uh, even if I don't qualify for one and it's, and it's close by, I'm going to try and be part of it. You know, Iron, Ironmans are fun. 70.3s are fantastic. Um, you know, I, I do it for a hobby. I do it for fun. Uh, you know, th- this one was just kind of icing on the cake. The fact that I got to go and be part of a world championship, you know, it was, cool, it was amazing. Very cool. Very cool. And you're wearing the t-shirt. Yeah, I am. You know, they, <laughs> they almost give these things away when you get there. They certainly, they certainly don't, but uh, you know, you can't, you can't get out of there without having something that has the brand logo on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very good. Justin Dugan, congratulations on training. Congratulations on qualifying. Congratulations on successfully completing the Ironman 70.3 World Championship in St. George on September 18th, man. Thank you so much. We're proud of you. We're proud to say we know you. And thanks for coming on the uh, the podcast and, uh, and telling us all about it. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, on Facebook at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, ITL Coaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com, facebook.com slash here for SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter, at official SlayRx, and Instagram, here for Slay RX, the number four Slay RX. Discount code Pleasant21. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.